0: Thanks, Jacob. So if you haven't been with us, we are in week five, as I mentioned earlier, of a what ends up being, I believe, a 12-week series uh, called Experiencing God, uh, based off of a book and workbook written uh, some 30 years ago from uh, by Henry Blackaby, and I think if, if I remember correctly, close to about 80 folks uh, beyond just being in worship have said that they're going to Uh, read uh, the hardcover book called Experiencing God, or work through a workbook uh, designed to do a kind of a daily Bible study uh, through Experiencing God. And some of the things that that we have learned up to this point, just as a quick review, we have learned that that God has a will, and that's good to know, that, that there is... Uh, a a will that that God has for all of us, and we we learn to to think of it more like a a hula hoop and being inside of uh, God's will as opposed to God's will being a a bullseye or being a tightrope that we have to walk on. Uh, we've learned uh, last week that that God has a way as we as we chase after His will. That 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 the the way of Jesus, the way of the cross, is the posture that we ought to adopt as we go about seeking to live in God's will. And we 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 said that because God is doing work, right? That's really the first reality of experiencing God is that that God is always at work in the world. And so we're learning through experiencing God that he has invited us us, right, to follow his will, to adopt his ways, and to join him in the work that he is doing in the world. Simple enough, right? Right? 3 Ws. God's where, God's will, God's way, God's work. Well, the fourth one in the world, right? But If we can, we can really pause and say, you know, it sounds simple enough, but most of us, if we're being honest... Even when we decide that we want to do God's will, I want to live inside of that circle. I, I want to follow his ways. I, I want to adopt the, the way of the cross. I want to have Christ's posture as I, as I go about moving and living inside of this world. I want to follow him and join him in the work that he is doing. We still end up wrestling with, and this is what I was alluding to earlier, because I think this is where a lot of people are at, we, we wrestle with this question, how, how do I hear from God? Like, I, I want to do his will. I want to follow his ways. I know that he's doing some kind of a work in the world and that he wants me to join him, but, but how do I do it? How do I hear from God personally? How, how do I know what it is that he is inviting me to do? What should I be, what should I be looking for? Am I, am I looking for a sign Am I listening for, for an audible voice that I can hear? Am I waiting for some kind of a, of a feeling that kind of stirs up inside of me? Is that how I, how I know that God is speaking to me? I mean, how do I know that I'm hearing from God? Several years ago, Jim Carrey made a movie called Bruce Almighty. And in it, he plays a man whose life has gone completely sideways, got flipped upside down, and it led him to a point of desperation where he needs and begins to look to God for help. His character, Bruce, needs God to speak to him. Unfortunately, in the movie, Bruce isn't really sure what he's looking for take a look okay god you want me to talk to you and talk back tell me what's going on what should i do give me a signal i need your guidance Lord. please send me a sign ah what's this joker doing now okay all right i'll try it your way all right lord i need a miracle i'm desperate i need your help lord please reach into my life Uh, what the hell where are you you? ha! So today and next Sunday, actually, we're going to be looking at how God speaks. And if you're taking notes, write this down. It's not enough that he speaks. We have to take the time to learn and understand how he speaks. How do we know that it's really him? You see, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that there are Three words that when used to start a sentence are three of the most powerful, three of the most inspiring, three of the most important words that you can ever speak. And these same three words can also be some of the most reckless, some of the most dangerous words that we can ever speak. What are these three words? Anybody know? God told me. I mean, think about it. If you came to me and said, hey, Trent, God told me, and then you began to, to finish that sentence and, 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 and have a conversation with me, here's what I'm going to do. My, my initial uh, response is going to be to, to sit up in my chair Right, to lean in and to listen intently to what comes after Trent, God told me. Now, Why would I do that? Well, it's because I believe that God speaks to his people. And when he speaks, he invites us to join him in what he is doing in the world. So I'm going to assume if you come to me and you say, God told me, I'm going to assume that what comes after those three words will be something that will lead you to take some kind of step of faith that will require on your part faith in action. Radical obedience obedience on your part. And quite frankly, that excites me. God told me. I'm gonna assume that since you have heard God tell you something, that means a few things. Number one, that means you've been seeking him, right? That's a good thing, that you've been living in his will. That's a good thing. And by grace, uh, by his grace, you've been attempting to follow his ways. That's a good thing. I'm gonna assume that you have been looking to God, right? Remember this illustration? That you've been looking to God consistently, for daily direction and guidance and wisdom in your life. And because God loves you, he's told you something. He's spoken to you. And I'm going to be excited for you because he, God, is faithful to complete what he starts in you. So God told me, if God tells you something, let's talk. I want to hear it exciting, inspiring, important words that you can speak, God told me. However, I'd been around long enough to hear people say, Trent, God told me, only to have those three words followed by a variety of odd conclusions. On multiple occasions, People have knocked on my door, stopped me in the hall, pulled me aside, and looked at me and said, God told me to tell you. And what comes after tell you hasn't been inspiring, hasn't been um, important, maybe important to them, but, but it hasn't been encouraging. I have had on multiple occasions God tell someone to tell me something really bad about me and about this church. And it's always left me wondering, why would God tell them something bad about me and want them to tell me? Is it because God didn't think he could get through to me? And if God were to tell me something through somebody, I would, and I'm not God. God can do whatever God wants to do. But I would think that God would want to use somebody who I know and love and trust, somebody who knows, has my best interest in mind, someone who who believes in me and is faithful and is committed to our friendship and connection. But those instances that have happened to me in my past haven't come from people who were friends and, and people I believed in and trusted and who, who I knew had my back. They, they, they were from, they were from um, not self-proclaimed, but, but pastor-identified troublemakers. I'll just say it. Who, again, thought they were doing God's work to say, well, God told me. One was in a dream. God told me in a dream that you're not in charge of this church, or that he's not in charge of this church that you are. I'm like, okay, well, okay, that's, that's interesting. And, and some of you remember this. This was several years ago. And, and I, didn't, I didn't downplay what that individual told me. I said, you know what? He hasn't said that to me, but you know what? There's safety in numbers. Let me call and reach out to some of my, my other key leaders in the church. And some of you nodding your head because you were on the receiving end of that call. And I said to you, "Hey, so and so has said something to me, and they said they had a dream, and da 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 Would you would you pray about this? Would you would you see if indeed God was trying to get a message to me through this individual whose roller coaster ride of his spiritual faith was something that I had watched and observed for a number of years? And I'm like, if God's like, why would He communicate it to me through him? right? And, and, and it came back to me from many people, like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't see that. And so I go back to that person, like, I'm, I'm sorry if you feel like God told that to you. He did not confirm that through others in this body, so I'm not really sure what to tell you. Um, maybe not eat so much pizza late at night, I don't know. But, but again, here's what happens. The moment that somebody says, well, God told me, all bets are off. If, if you're convinced that God told you something, I've learned there ain't nothing you can do to convince that person otherwise, right or wrong. And so you see how important it is that when we when we use the word "God told me," use the statement "God told me," we better have a way to test that. We, we better have a filter to test that and so what i've What I've learned to do over the years is I've learned to to seek some clarification. Why do you say that? What makes you believe that? And I think that's something that we'll unpack as we walk through here. See, it's important. It's important for us to to know that hearing God speak doesn't have to be something that is spooky or weird or kooky or, or, or what. And I know for some, if you're beginning a journey of faith that idea of hearing God speak, that's how it sounds. That, that's just weird, Trent. Others of you, when, when you hear me talking about hearing God speak, you've been walking with God for a number of years. And you've learned to hear his voice. You've learned to recognize his voice. You understand what Jesus meant when he said, my sheep hear my voice. And so this morning, and, and really for us going forward as a church, Here's my goal for all of us, is that all of us would learn to recognize his voice when he speaks and know that it is him, that it's not indigestion, it's not a lack of sleep, it's not just wishful thinking on our part, and it's not hearing something that if we root it around into our own heart is really just our own selfish desires coming up and coming out, and we interpret it As God's voice. So how do you know? How do you know? See, not everyone who says God told me is correct. It has to be more than a feeling. And and I say that for me. Because I know my heart. I know my heart is deceitful. Jeremiah talks about that, right? Our hearts are, are deceitful and desperately wicked. And my feelings... My heart isn't always in line with God's voice. See, it's true that God speaks to his people, but it's also equally true that he speaks his way to his people, not ours. So, what are his ways of speaking to his people. And now this is where the book and workbook comes into play. Some of you are already in this section. Some of you are going to be unpacking it this week and next. But in the workbook, and really you can see this in the scriptures, we don't need a workbook, but this is what you'll be looking at in your workbook or in the hardcover. Um, Henry Blackaby unpacks the following ways in which God speaks. We'll put it up on the screen in case you don't have the workbook. You can write it down or if if you just want to write it down. This is... This is how God speaks to his people. He, he speaks by his spirit, the Holy Spirit. He speaks through the scriptures. He speaks through prayer. He speaks to us through circumstances. And he speaks to us through the church. So we're not going to try to unpack all of these today. We're going we're to look at the first two today. And then we're going to look at the next three next week. So uh, today we're going to look at the first, the first two. So what I want you to do is open your Bibles to John 14. John 14, if you don't have a Bible, the verses will be on the screen. If you need a Bible, please stop at our welcome desk on your way out and make sure you get a copy because we want you to have your own copy of God's word. But in John 14, we're jumping into this lengthy teaching that Jesus is engaged with, uh, with his disciples and inside of, again, what ends up being, I think, about three chapters worth of Jesus' teaching, we see... Uh, Him unpacking, teaching some things about the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And so I just want us to read some of the things that he says about the Holy Spirit so we can get some some understanding, some clarification at at how, how he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit and what really the role of the Holy Spirit is when it comes to being able to hear God's voice. John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. Jesus says this to his disciples and, and to us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Uh, let me just stop here. Everything is still rooted in love. right? The, the, time and time again in the book and workbook, he, the, the author, Dr. Blackaby, goes back to everything starts with a love relationship with God, that everything about experiencing God comes back to cultivating a love relationship with our Heavenly Father. Why does it do it in the book? Well, because that's what you see in the Gospels. That's what you see in Jesus. That's what you see in the the New Testament writers. Everything is still rooted and grounded in love and a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. But a loving relationship, Jesus says, will lead us to want to keep his commandments. And then verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever. Even, now he, he says, okay, there's a helper coming. Who is it? Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. There's that idea of the, the witness of God. He will be with you, but it's even better than that. He says, and I'm going to send you a helper, the spirit of truth, that will be not just with you, but will take up residence in you. That's the Holy Spirit. Let's jump down to verse 25. It says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, and if, if the disciples are like, well, who is he talking about? He makes it very clear. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Look at what he says that the Holy Spirit will do. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so when we talk about hearing from God, what we want to hear from God is truth. Whose job is it for us, whose job is it to teach us truth about God. It's the job of the Holy Spirit. So, whenever you have a moment in your life, whether it's in a service, uh, a worship gathering, or a Bible study, or you're opening up the scriptures, and you read something, and a truth about God pops up, and you read it, and a spiritual light bulb goes on, and you understand it, guess what? You're smart, but you didn't come to that truth conclusion on your own. That's the Holy Spirit. And so when you can now think about your faith journey and about how much, hopefully, you have learned over time truth about God in His Word, what you should be able to look back and go, holy moly. I've heard God speak to me time and time and time and time again. Maybe you didn't think about it, but that's what was happening. The Holy Spirit teaching you what Jesus taught his disciples, helping us to remember what the truth is, is not of ourselves. That is spirit-driven. It's spirit-led. God, through his spirit, is the one who is doing that. Now turn over to John 16, and I'm going to start in verse 4. Again, this is the same discourse. This is the same, the same teaching time that Jesus had with his disciples. So he comes back to the work of the Holy Spirit, starting in verse 4. He said, But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. And then he continues. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Again, he's talking about the future. And none of you asks me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper who he's identified as the Holy Spirit will not come to you But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, listen to what the Holy Spirit does. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world, of this world, is judged. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now listen to the, 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 the language that Jesus uses. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Did you hear those words? He will guide, he will speak, he will declare. He will guide, he will speak, he will declare. That is The Holy Spirit's job is to guide us, to speak to us, and to declare to us. What? Not his truth, not his own personal truth, but the truth that Jesus gives him. He speaks what he hears. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand this. His speaking will not draw attention to himself. It will point us to Jesus. We we did a series a number of years ago on the Holy Spirit. And and it was an important, most of you probably weren't even here, but it was an important series because we we used this image of, of of a producer, director, actor. And... The Holy Spirit is never intended to be the star of the Trinity. Jesus is the focal point. (laughs) The the Holy Spirit, if we were to use a a kind of a a movie, TV, film kind of imagery, the, the Holy Spirit is the producer. He's in the background. He he's not in, he's not on stage, he's not in lights. And so what we said back then still rings true today. Be mindful of anybody or any church that puts the Holy Spirit in the spotlight because the Holy Spirit doesn't want the spotlight, doesn't crave the spotlight. He wants to get our hearts and minds and our attention on Jesus. So be mindful of that. Now again, when we think about the Holy Spirit, there's, a, there's, there's always tendencies to swing the pendulum one side or the other. There are some churches and some denominations that are in an idolatrous way in an idolatrous way fixated on the Holy Spirit. Too much attention. Then there are churches who are on the other end of the spectrum who because there's a little bit of mystery, there's a little bit of like not really sure how to teach or how to think about the Holy Spirit and they ignore the Holy Spirit altogether. Listen to what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit is altogether God. He is part of the Trinity. Father, Son, Spirit. He's no less God than the Son, no less God than the Father. They are completely united. They are one. They have different focuses and different responsibilities but the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to teach us, to guide us, and ultimately to point us to Jesus. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to lean on him. He convicts us and convinces us of the truth that we see taught to us in the scriptures. When you came to Christ, it was the Holy Spirit that convicted you of sin and your need for a savior. As you're growing in Christ, it's the Holy Spirit who continues to point things out to you that need to be tweaked, that need to be adjusted, that need to be repented of. When you sense and feel that conviction, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So if you're tempted to say, God told me, And then what comes next isn't aligned with Jesus. It doesn't move you to become more like Jesus. Then I think it's okay to press pause and go, was that really the spirit? Did the spirit of God really tell me this or that? And be careful of using the God card as a way to eliminate anybody from pushing back on you be careful. Be careful. Invite that. Hey, I I think God's told me this, but I'm coming to you. You're my friend. You're my brother. You're my sister in Christ. I want to be certain. What do you hear me say when I say to you, God told me? Because that God card, God told me, can actually be an excuse to chase after our own selfish desires and follow our own deceitful heart. But God speaks through his Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad he does. And as a pastor who's been pastoring for 30 years, I want want to discern and hear and understand more of his voice. I want him to speak to me more clearly over the next 20, 30 years than he has the first 30. I want that. And I want that for you. I want that for us. But again, it's God's terms, not ours. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Then, the second thing that we're going to look at today is that God speaks to us through his word. God speaks to us through his word. And and that sounds simple enough, right? But when you begin to sit down with somebody and you're like, well, how does that work? How does God speak to us through his word? You've heard the joke, and I'm a, let me just, before I say it, let me just say it. I'm a horrible joke teller, but I'm gonna tell a joke. <clears throat> I gotta get psyched up for it. So when you hear God speaks through his word, it reminds me of the joke that some of you have heard about a guy who wants to know God's will. And he says, God, show me your will. God, I wanna know your will. Just show me your will in your word, and I'll do it. And he opens up his Bible and he points and he sees what the Bible says and it says Judas went and hung himself <laughs> and he thinks to himself well that, that can't be right so he's like okay God please I just want to do your will he opens up the Bible and he, he takes his finger and he points and he looks down and he reads go and do thou likewise <laughs> I mean some of us I'm, I'm horrible at a joke telling but that's the best I got so if we're not careful, that when we think that God speaks to us through his word, that we think that's what we're talking about, that it's about this just kind of random, I'm just going to you know, find a verse or find a phrase or find a word and wait until it like just pops off the page. I've got a fly that keeps chasing after me here. Um, I, I, I'm going to find this verse that just pops out at me, and I'm going to be like, that's the verse, that's what I've been looking for, that's what I've been waiting for. That's not the way, that's not what we're talking about. Just finding a verse. Now, it doesn't mean that God can't use, as we read read his word, a verse, a passage, a story, a narrative to speak to us. He does, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But we have to be careful when we say that God speaks to us through his word because Christians historically have gotten it wrong. Wars have been fought because Christians got a verse, right? Battle lines have been drawn because Christians on one side of the aisle and Christians on another side of the aisle both have the ability to grab verses and throw them at the other side. Well, what about this verse? Well, that's nothing. What about this verse? And I've got a verse. What about this verse? And, and, and that is not new That's not a new phenomenon. That has been happening for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And so when when we talk about God speaking to us through his word, we have to be careful to understand how he does it, to understand how to read the Bible before we just start grabbing verses in the Bible and claiming them as, well, this is God speaking to me. All right? We understand that God's word is all inspired. It's the, it's the inspired, infallible word of God. I believe it. It's unique. And we're gonna get to the verse about that in a minute. But but all of the scriptures are from God. But every verse isn't for us. And one of the, be- one of the easiest ways to get the verses or get the word of God twisted is to forget about context. To forget about who the author was writing to, and forget about the author's original intent. What was the author trying to say as he wrote this to a specific group of people at a specific time in history? And if we don't take the time to understand those two things, it's very easy to twist and get the scriptures all messed up. So, that's the caution But here's the flip side to that. The flip side to that is this, and you can write this down. I really think that the best way to hear God speak is to know what he's already said. The best way, the most certain way to hear God speak is to know what he has already said. And that's why we can say that the scriptures are the revealed will of God. When we read something in scripture, having understood the the context, having understood who it's being written to, having those two handles, we can then understand what is God's will for me. As we come to know and understand his word, we're positioning ourselves to better hear his voice. Our kids growing up when they were little, as they they started to move again to toddler and elementary age, they heard Pam and I day in and day out communicate our expectations for them. This is what we want, this is not what we want. This is what we do, this is not what we do. Over time, they began to understand what their parents, what mom and dad wanted. They came to know us. They came to know our hearts as they listen to us reveal, teach, speak to them what we wanted from them. Now, our goal was to lead them to the place where we didn't have to show up and tell them everything, everywhere, every time, every moment, what our expectations were. That would get exhausting. When we were teaching our kids to brush their teeth, we had to be there. This is how you do it. This is what you do. This is this is how this works. But if my 17-year-old still needed me to stand next to them, I didn't say him or her, my seven whoever they were, stand next to them and say, "No, no, 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 not don't do it this way, do it this way. Don't squeeze from the middle, squeeze from the bottom. Got up and down, left and right, circles, back front. like that would be weird, right? Early on, we had to show them. But eventually, they just knew, right? They just knew what the expectation was. And that's not a great, that's not maybe the greatest illustration, but that's what God's word should be for us. As we, as we open up God's word, as we spend time reading his will, his revealed will to us, early on in our journey, Man, we need to read it and reread it and think about it and wrestle with it and talk to other people about it. Like, what does this mean and how do I do this and what does this look like? But over time, those truths should get settled into our hearts, be driven down deep in us that when we bumped into situations, it's not hard for us to go, here's what my father wants. Here's what Jesus would do. Here's Here's how I should respond. This should be my reaction. Because I know his will. Because I've read it in his word. I know what he wants from me. Again, in those moments, here's what you're doing. You're hearing God's voice. Not in real time, but in heart time. Like, you're hearing the echo of the truth that you have had planted or planted yourself inside of you. This is just how I'm supposed to react. This is how I'm supposed to respond because I know my Father's heart because he's revealed it to me in his word and I know what his will is. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this about the scriptures. I so just want to spend a minute here. We're going to, I, want, I want to share something else with you and then we're going to be done. But we know these verses if you've been in church very long. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said this, he said, all scripture is breathed out by God. God breathed, that's what we mean about the, the, the scriptures are inspired, they're God breathed and are profitable, now listen to what he says, they're profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So as we engage the scriptures daily, as we say, God, I want to hear you speak to me on a regular basis. And and I know that you're going to speak to me through your word because your word reveals your will. Paul tells Timothy that there are four things that you can expect from God's word as you read it. Let's put it up on the screen, that next slide, so we can see it. When you read God's word day by day, you can expect to be taught. The, the Bible teaches us. Or in other words, in using the language that we've been using, God shows you his will and his way. You are taught. And hopefully... Hopefully, we never get to a point in time in our life where we can't open up the word of God and go, you know what, I never thought about that. I don't ever remember hearing that. I don't ever remember getting to the place where I, I wrestled with that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching me something in the word that I needed to be taught about God's will and about God's way. And now I'm better equipped to be in the circle of his will and adopt the posture of his way. Thank you for teaching me. The Bible does that. And in those moments, we are experiencing God. He's taught us. But it's not just there for teaching. It's there also for reproof. What is reproof? Some of your scriptures might say rebuke. God shows you when you step out of his will and his way. Sometimes when you open up the scriptures, there is that gut punch you know, that you, you stumble on, and, and, it, and it's like, oh, snap. Ooh, Oh, Cut right to the heart because God's word doesn't just teach you how to live inside of the circle, how to adopt the posture of Jesus in the way of the cross. He is able to, the word of God, by the spirit of God, is able to show you when you've stepped out of it. And when you read the scripture and you get that gut punch, it's reproof. And he's like, hey, you've stepped out of my will. Pay attention. Listen up. Warning, warning, warning. But then it doesn't stop there. The word of God is good for correction. I'm glad that he doesn't just kick us in the gut with the truth of God. The Holy Spirit through the word of God speaks to us and tells us our way back. Correction. God shows you how you can get back to. This is what you need to do. You need to repent. You need to go to that person. You, you, need, to, you need to humble yourself. You, you need to, whatever. You need to confess. Whatever it is, that's the correction. That's the way back to God's will and His way. That's what the Bible does. And, and all of those things are, are, are God speaking whether we're being taught, whether we're being corrected, whether we're being reproved. That's all God speaking to us. And then for training, that's God saying, this is what you need to do to stay on course. This is what you need to do to stay the path, stay the path, stay the path, stay the path. God's word does all of that. And, And God's word doesn't do that for nothing. Why does he do it? Well, the rest of the verse, right? That the man or woman of God may be complete. Another word for complete is mature. And then this next phrase is where the second half of experiencing God goes. Equipped for every good work. God doesn't just speak to speak. He he, He doesn't just invite us to just hear him. He invites us to something. He first invites us to himself, but then he invites us to work. He invites us to be active in the work that he's trying to accomplish in the world. And again, please, those of you who are tempted to tap out and be like, this is too hard, it's too difficult, I don't know that I can do it. Please don't lean in because that part where you're like, okay, I'm listening to God, I'm adjusting my life, I'm joining God in what he's asking me to do, that's the good work of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And I want us to be a church that is equipped for every good work, but we're equipped for every good work not because I have shown you how to shake hands or because somebody's shown you how to do check-ins or we've shown you how to stand on a platform or we've shown you how to do ministry. We want you to be, be, be equipped for every good work because you've heard from God. And God has taught you and reproved you and corrected you and he's trained you so that you can join him in what he wants to accomplish through your life in this world. That's what we want. That's what we want for all of us. Imagine all of us dialed in to the Holy Spirit and to his word daily, seeking, desiring, wanting to live his will, live his way. Man, I think that's coming. I really do. And I'm excited about it. So there's one more thing that I want to share when it comes to God's word and hearing him speak to us. Again, I love you, and I know this about most of you. Most of you would say, I want to experience God and hear him speaking to me. And that's awesome. But if you're anything like me, here's your tendency, or maybe it's just mine. We have a tendency to think about the what's of our life. And we tend to pray about the, the what's, the what do you want from me, God, in our life. And let me give you some examples. We think and pray things like this. Well, what person should I date? What person should I marry? What job should I take? What, fill in the blank, should I buy? God, what should I do about and then the, the list could go on and on and on about things that would come next. What should I do about this? We, we tend to ask a lot of things that are very specific, that, that, that require like a very specific response when we ask what of God. The reality is, in the middle of wanting to hear from God in our lives, the better question doesn't start with what. It ought to be How? And we'll talk a little bit more about this next week. I'll try to overlap some of what I'm ending with today and when we talk uh, more next week about prayer. But instead of starting with the what, we should start with how. How can I honor you in this? How can I help others in the middle of this? How can I demonstrate Christ in this? So, going back to what I, the, the what questions. Instead of, instead of saying, what person should I date? Students, especially those of you who are not married, a better thing to, to wrestle with and, and to, to, to think about is the question, how can I honor God with my body as I date, whomever I date? Instead of what person should I marry, we can ask, how can I prepare myself to be the spouse I should be. Instead of what job should I take, we can ask how can I leave the job I have for the job I want in the right way. Instead of what should I buy, we should ask how can I honor God with all my finances. See the difference? And here's the good news. God has already given us the how of all those questions. Uh, the how is clearly articulated in his word. How to honor God with our bodies. How to be the kind of spouse that I'm supposed to be. how, How to leave a job the correct way and have the attitude that we ought to have. And how to honor God with our finances. Again, it's not that God doesn't care about the what, but he's already spoken volumes on how we should live our lives. It's already in there. It's already in the Word. So here's the challenge today. Let God's Spirit speak to you through His Word. But you're in a hurry. I know you are. You have a full calendar. I know you do. You have responsibilities. Sure. It's true. But what would happen if you really did get serious about wanting to hear from God? And you knew that the first and best way to do it is by slowing down and spending time with Him, spending time in the Scriptures. And again, some of you who are this morning already frustrated, we're five weeks in and you're like behind in your reading, behind in your workbook, like I get all that. Like, but set all that aside. I'm just talking about this. I'm just talking about sitting at the feet of your Heavenly Father, not for an hour a day, but how about 10 minutes a day? Start there. How about 15 minutes a day? Grow to that. You'll never spend a half an hour with God if you don't spend 15 minutes with God. Listen, I, there, there's no shortcuts. Like, I can't, I, can't, I can't deepen your walk with Christ for you. And I can't tell you that there's any better way to deepen your walk with Christ, to, to begin to get yourself to a place where you can hear God speak, know it's him, then decide to do his will apart from his word. It's impossible. I've tried to figure it out. But it, that way just doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. So here's my challenge to you. Commit to God's word. Commit to reading it. Commit to spending time. And I'm not even going to tell you how that, what that should look like. Just start somewhere. Start somewhere. Just start. But to help you, we, uh, several years ago, and we've had them different places, different times, we prepared a document about how to have a meaningful time with God, and that might be where some of you are at. Like, I, I want to do that. I just don't know what to do. Like, I'm that guy or that gal who just opens the Bible, like, show me something good today, God, and we open it up, and we're like, oh, man, Leviticus again. Oh, try again tomorrow, right? We, and, and we just get discouraged. We just don't know how to, how to have a quiet time. Well, when we, re- when we sing today, when we respond, and I'm gonna ask the worship team to come, I've got on our communion tables oddly enough, or I guess appropriately enough, um, copies of of how to have a meaningful time with God. And if you're like, you know what, doggone it. I've stopped and I've started and I've stopped and I've started and I've tried and I've failed and I've tried and I've failed. M- maybe you're like, I know how to have a quiet time. That's great, then do it. Maybe you're like, I don't know really how to have a quiet time. Nobody's really taught me. Come up and get one of these. And maybe the act of coming and kind of getting one of these, even if you're like, I know how to have a quiet time. But the act of coming and getting one of these for you is a step of faith to say, you know what, doggone it, I need to recommit to just spending time with God because I want to hear God speak to me. Because I want there to be a day where I call Trent on the phone or I stop in the hallway and and I'm able to say, hey, Pastor Trent, come here, come here, I going to tell you something. God told me. And I'm able to lean in and be excited and, and hear you Tell me the story of how God talked to you and spoke to you and and how it's leading you to take a step of faith. And and I'm not the guy that's like, he told you that? Really? Can we talk? Like, I want that for you. I want that for all of us. So like we always say, again, this time is for you to respond to whatever God's saying to you. We invite you to come and pray. Grab a friend. Come and pray. Again, grab one of these things and come and commit yourself to even just this week I'm going to spend time with God. Recommit yourself. Pray for a friend who needs to spend more time with God and then take one of these and invite them to spend time with God with you. Whatever God asks you to do, this time is for his spirit to to move us. And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you've never made the decision to trust him with your whole heart, I'm going to be down front and we can talk. Come and tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, I, I want to become a Christian. I don't even know that I'm a Christian, but I want that for my life. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We pray you'd move in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. I think we're gonna sing a new song.